My name is Jake Thompson, your Chief Encouragement Officer, and this is the Compete Everyday Podcast, a show designed to encourage and equip you with the tools to build a winning mindset so you can build your winning life. Text PODCAST to 972-945-9113 to join our Morning Motivation Club and visit CompeteEveryday.com for past podcast episodes and to learn more about our resources and gear for ambitious people who are ready to start winning. Welcome to the show. All right, Competitor Nation, welcome back to the show. Jake Thompson here, your Chief Encouragement Officer, and excited to welcome to today, Melanie Rainey. Melanie is the head of Texo, North Texas's Construction Association, and we get into what's it like being a leader, especially as a female in a heavily male-dominated industry. We talk about the things she's learned about building relationships, what she's done to continue and grow throughout her career, and how she made the mindset shift years ago from going in one direction in her career to a completely different one in terms of role of service. Shifting about how do we build, how do we do things, how do I be part of it too, how can I help others be more successful? And I think that shift is one of the reasons I absolutely love Mel and just all the work she does because she's looking for opportunities to help develop people so they can go be their best. I think you're going to get a ton of insight into this and especially stick around to the end because she talks about how she fiercely protects the things that matter most to her, how she protects her workout routine, her relationships with her spouse and her kids. And I think that's incredibly important for every one of us in our careers because it's so easy to let what matters get pushed to the side by what's maybe urgent or busy in that moment. To let our schedules fill up with other people's priorities instead of making sure that we still control part of it for what our priorities are. So excited to get to introduce you to Melanie. She is a dear friend, someone I have the opportunity to work with and just think you're going to get so much out of today's conversation. Thanks. Great to be here. Yeah, I we've known each other for a few years now. Uh, I guess we connected probably Kevin and Stu. I that's where most of my friends come I, from, yeah, so yeah. it probably was uh, Kevin <laughs> and Stu that somehow connected us. Always, uh, those are the guys on the seventeen twenty podcast. Kevin's been on this show, and Stuart is coming up in the next few weeks as well. But Melanie, you run Texo and the Construction Association for North Texas, East Texas. Uh, and I believe March is Women in Construction Month as well as we are recording this on March 22nd. So the one question I have for you is how in the world did you get into such a male-dominated industry? And <laughs> what has stood out that's made you stay? Man, that's kind of a loaded question. I know. Um, yeah, so I, I've i probably always been a little bit of a tomboy. My parents would probably tell you I've always hung out with um, more men than women, even growing up. And so having an older brother, that probably contributed to it. But um, I started studying architecture and um, appreciated it, but I really wanted to get more into like the, the actual construction side, the structural side, like how does it actually go together? How is it built? And so that's when I found construction management and just really fell in love with construction. So once I graduated college, I came to work in Dallas for Beck, which is a design build company and um, could do both architecture and construction. But again, just really fell in love with construction. And so I, I did get my architecture license, 
but I stayed in construction. And then when the opportunity came up to come work at the Construction Association here in Dallas-Fort Worth, I jumped at the chance to, to go serve the construction industry. I love people and I love construction. And so I, I jumped at the opportunity and, and come to find out, you know, 90% of construction is male. And so here I am. <laughs> I, I'm curious about that one, the mindset shift to go from back and on the, that design and build side to the association. Cause really the role of the association is to serve, to right. grow the chapter and serve. And so from a career standpoint, it's almost like shifting. How can we build and develop things? How can I do some cool stuff to how can I help other people do it? Talk to me how you made that shift so successfully is obviously by your track record. Um, yeah, some would probably argue not very well. Um, but uh, emotionally, it was I didn't realize that I was making a complete career shift. I thought I was really just moving companies, but you're exactly right. Um, working in architecture and construction is much different than working at the association because you are doing association management you're developing programs that the industry needs so you're you're trying to be very forward thinking with where's the industry headed as a whole and what are the main issues that they're facing and how can we get ahead of that and either remove those barriers or create training programs or how can we advance the people in construction because that's how our industry is going to move forward so it was a it was a complete mental shift um, that i honestly didn't think about going in. I just saw the opportunity to, to work with more construction companies and more people. And so I jumped at the chance, but um, you, you definitely hit on the head. It was a complete career shift that mentally took me several years to grasp my um, brain around the fact that I'm not physically in construction anymore. I now serve the entire industry. Yeah, one of the, and you're obviously involved not only locally, but nationally with with AGC as a whole, the national kind of organization that runs all the, the chapters. One of the things you said right there, I found interesting in terms of the development of the people is really vital to the development of the industry long-term. And I know y'all do a number of programs at Texas, specifically the EDP program we worked together on last year and, and this year, right. where it's not just developing the technical skills needed to run in the construction space, manage teams, builds, things like that. But it's the development of the person outside of just that, which is some of the work we've done on, on habits and leadership and team building. When did those ideas for you start to, to come about of like, hey, we should do more development on our people as people and not just how do you fit in this specific role? It um, It's really always been in my mindset that um, if you if you want to be the best person that you can possibly be, that means you have to push yourself. And that's pushing, pushing yourself as hard as you can and also being pushed by other people who see things in you that you don't see in yourself. And uh, Beck, to give kudos to Beck, was great a great training around for that mindset for me. And they had a Beck University and lots of training programs. And um, I would say I left there in 2013. And a few years before that, I really started to notice the impact that project managers and superintendents have on people. You're leading a team of, you know, depending on the project size, but 10, 15, 30, 40 people. And those project managers and those superintendents have a, a massive impact on people's lives. They can either destroy them and um, they'll probably leave the construction industry and never come back, or you can build them up and um, train them in some leadership opportunities, give them opportunities that they can't have elsewhere, really develop them on the leadership side, professional skill side, and you're changing that person's life. And it 
Um, I don't necessarily know that people always realize that power that they have or that influence they have in people's lives. And so I would say I started to realize it probably around the, you know, 2010 ish mark. Um, and then it's funny when I came to, that was one of the reasons that I wanted to jump at this opportunity. And then when I ended up coming to Texo, I had, I was just trying to get to know the members. And so I went and had a um, hundred plus, you know, coffees and lunches and um, it was a whirlwind of a season, but I found this trend amongst companies of we are really sound technically, but the piece that we're missing in construction is the leadership skills, the professional skills, just those things that um, set you apart as a leader. And so that is where we really started to focus. Once I knew that this just wasn't in my mind, that other people saw it also, um, that's when we started to develop a ton of leadership training programs. Awesome. And, and that, so that's interesting to hear as well from where you saw it, because obviously I have been relatively new into the industry working with uh, the groups, thanks to obviously the original 1720 and our friends at Osborne and and then obviously Texo and AGC chapters that that's there that, Hey, we're really good right. on the technical, but it's building the people. And especially I would imagine the last four years, the chaos we've gone through, you know, a lot of them, it's been boom. Now it's supply shortages. Now it's staff short. There's all sorts of things. And when we go back to your comment about like people leave managers, they leave their leaders. It's more important than ever during kind of those uncertain times to have the right people developing others. And so talk to me about being the leader of an association serving an industry that was some of its best days a few years ago in the middle of the pandemic while the rest of the world seemingly was shut down. And now is having some real challenges, not only supply chain, but staffing and other challenges internally that have made that job a lot harder than a couple of years ago, where it was like, just keep pace. Right. It um, Every day is a completely new day and challenge, it feels like. And, you know, nothing has ever really been the same at at um, the association. And I, I credit that to... Um, we're not going to do the same thing over and over and over every single year. The industry is changing. The industry is very dynamic. And if we are truly serving that in the industry, then we have to be just as agile, just as dynamic. And so the training courses and the services that we provided last year may not be what we need to provide next year. And so we have to be able to move with the industry, stay on top of the industry, like just knowing what's happening um, and stay, honestly, try to stay as ahead of it as we can. And in a, um, in a marketplace like DFW, which is the fastest growing construction market in the country, that's a very um, a quick changing scenario every single day that we, we have to stay in contact with our members and the industry and, and just try to stay. Um, I kind of, I always say that we've got these dotted lines. So we're not ever going to stay inside the box because we've got dotted lines and we may need a dart um, out to serve the industry in a different way. So to me, it's just staying connected with the people that you're serving and never, never forgetting our, our place and our role. Awesome. I love that. I love that. I want to pull focus a little bit closer. We have, we have a ton of leaders that listen to the show. We have a ton of women leaders that listen to the show. And so as someone you talked about, 90% of the industry is male. And that creates a different points of conflict, sometimes different points of, of different uh, challenges and tension. And so as someone leading a very well-known, strong organization, talk to me about what you've learned, not only in dealing with other people, but with yourself 
of being kind of in that minority within an industry and how you've been able to continue to stay ahead and forge those relationships with people that may have more friction initially dealing with someone who's different than them, whether it's a different race, gender, you name it. Yeah, it um, <laughs> it's fun every day, isn't it? Um, <laughs> I, w- I would say that my parents probably raised me to just have a stronger, probably um, that I know who I am. And so thankfully they raised me like that. And so it's always been um, in my mind that when you walk into the room, you're um, you're no different than anybody else. You, you have um, a seat at the table, you have a voice that you're supposed to use in a respectful way. And so um, early on in my career, I, I did realize that sometimes you're the only female in the room. And so you may actually get to make it into a meeting that other people may not simply because you're a female. And I never wanted to take that for granted, but I also know that I probably sat in a few extra meetings that other people didn't get to sit in because I was the token female. And so I, I tried to just soak up as much information as I could and listen to a ton of conversations and, and um, use it as much as I could. So I think you can always learn if you, if you pay attention and listen um, what's that saying about having two ears and one mouth? If you listen, you're, you're going to learn a lot. And so, um, I always, I always say, I don't want to be at the table because I'm a female. I want to be at the table because I'm the best. And so you can't ever rest on your laurels. I think you always have to be technically sound and you have to be a strong leader. So we have to push ourselves every single day. But, um, I've come to realize that as a female you have, or any, whatever, um, diversity, all of us have some sort of diversity. All of us have different stories. And so our experiences are what set us apart. So when you're sitting around a table, everybody has a different story. Everybody has different experiences. And we all think about things a little bit different. So if you're open to hearing about other people's stories and experiences, it's incredible to think about the brain power um, and the life uh, wisdom that is sitting around a table when you are um, trying to solve any problem. So I, I try to just go into things with that kind of mindset of being open and loving people. I love that. Well, and I love the fact as well of you understood, hey, I'm maybe I'm sitting in this room as the token woman. What can I do to take advantage of it? How can I not right. just be annoyed, but what can I learn from it, which is important? What are some things y'all are doing with Texo? Obviously, you're involved higher up with AGC to help Daring Women in Construction get more into the industry because what I find interesting is there's a lot of people listening in other industries that are maybe more male dominated and learning that piece of what they're doing to open some of those doors, especially if you think about, I think we, we laughed about this at at one point. um, And I know with Kevin and then we have a stereotypically, you think construction industry, you, you think of like in the dirt, hands dirty building, but there's so many more pieces to the industry and educating people on that and where there are opportunities. So from a driving new involvement with women in the industry, what are some things y'all have implemented this month and are excited about going forward with? So um, it's the it's the first week of March. So it's actually Women in Construction Week. Okay. And um, big kudos to the National Association of Women in Construction because they started this week, I think, 26 years ago. Wow. And what has been phenomenal has the last few years, how much it has just exploded. Um, and people are really starting to celebrate being a female in construction and, and all of the different um, jobs that we have. You know, you can go study marketing and be in construction. You can go become a lawyer and be in construction. 
So we're trying to change the perception of what it means to be in construction. I, I love to walk into a classroom of middle school students in a suit and heels and talk about being in construction because it's not at all what they think of. Yeah. But those middle school students are exactly who we need to be reaching because you're starting to develop what you know what you think you may want to do at that age, whether you want to admit it or not. So those are the students that we're trying to impact. You know, we're on TikTok. Um, uh, we're on Instagram. We're all over just trying to change that perception of what it means to be in our industry. And um, is it is it perfect? No, but there is this perception that construction is a last resort. And if, if everything else fails, then you can you can always be in construction. And so that's the mindset that we have to get away from, raise the level of professionalism, um, which is twofold. You have to, we have to raise the level of the people that are already in it. And then we have to um, let the people know who coming are coming in, you're going to be treated a certain way. You're not going to have a hard hat thrown at you. You're going to be communicated with in a respectful way. So it's a twofold approach to in my opinion, changing the perception and getting the truth out there about what our industry looks like and then getting some more diversity of, of who is in our industry. I, I love that. And I love just that approach of changing that because yeah, to point most of our connections and the people we know like that, they have that higher standard of excellence and how they right. treat others and how they behave. Um, and that's been really fun to see and learn as I've over the last few years spent more and more time with with everybody in the in this space. Okay, so uh, throwing you a curveball a little bit here, you you play a little golf as you've smoked me in a in a round at least once. Uh, I don't think that's true. <laughs> I mean, if it, it was pretty bad, it was pretty bad at Tory Pines. Uh, you know, you got kiddos, you balance this. Uh, you and Ronnie have a great relationship. How do you balance? everything because as we were just laughing about like it's a busy season you had agc national in vegas you've got the kids since spring break was recently how do you still one find time for you and then two create that space and time with your spouse despite having kids work all these other responsibilities because i feel like for a lot of people listening if they think oh i'm running an organization i'm in that you know top spot family's got to go by the wayside or I've got to pick between kids and spouse and there's no time left for me. But I feel like you've done a really well, do a really well job with that as well as I know your mentality. I know your, your spirit and, and faith is a huge part of your life. And so I'm curious if you could talk a little bit about how you still make that time for what energizes you as well as the most important relationship and ships in your life. It's a, um, it's a constant battle, right? Every, every single day. I think I already said that once today, but yeah. um, it, it, it is every single day is is a challenge to make sure that you're you are keeping those things in balance and um i we have a member td industries and one of their core values is to fiercely protect and i've borrowed that as a core value of mine of um i have to fiercely protect my time and so if i if i keep things in balance of god my husband and kids and then work like if you keep things in balance um, God, in my opinion, always has to be first. The other three are somewhat in flux depending on the week, but that is my basic kind of totem pole of life. Um, then things typically kind of work out and, but there are some rules that I have to put in place that, and then I have to fiercely protect them. And Ronnie would tell you that I've gotten better, but I still have a long way to go. Um, but I, you know, we've got, I, I have four stepsons and we split time 50, 50. So, uh, four days out of the week, 
we've got them two, and then Ronnie and I have um, two nights by ourselves. So I try to only give two nights to Texo. Um, so that's a that's a big improvement, and I make sure that I've got two nights. Hopefully one with Ronnie. Hopefully one with the boys. Um, and then I have to make sure that I'm working out, which is my 5:45 uh, pure bar class three to four times a, a week. So that is that is literally the only 50 minutes that I have for me. So that is a very precious time in my book that helps me stay somewhat sane. Um, and then I've got to do things like reading and time with girlfriends. So there are some things that I know that I have to do to, to keep that balance. And when I don't, when I, when I do a Texo stuff four or five nights a week, things start to get out of balance. It doesn't typically take very long or, um, I left a meeting the other day because it was senior night for the, um, the senior, he was playing tennis and it was senior day. And I just decided kind of last minute on a whim, you know what, this is a once in a lifetime moment. So I'm going to leave this meeting and I'm going to go to the court and watch him, um, you know, get his senior recognition. And it was, it was pretty emotional at the end. I was like, I, I'm, I made the right decision and it was a little bit of an internal conflict, but I did it. And so sometimes you just have to, um, throw things up in the air and, and do what your gut is telling you to do because it's probably the right decision. So those are a few of the tactics that I use. I love that. I want to ask you about one of those tactics. You mentioned three or four days a week doing bar 545 in the morning. I would imagine on those days, you've got a little bit different energy when your day starts coming off of that workout. I noticed that if it's first thing, what about those other three to four days when you don't hit that class? How do you get yourself into that mentality of as close as you can to attacking the day as you might after finishing a workout? I'll, I'll add a little caveat to this too, is I had to mentally, I can't be at a meeting before 8.15 when I do that. And most breakfast meetings start at 7.30 in our industry. And so I had to mentally be prepared to tell people, I work out in the morning, I can't meet you until 8.15. And so once I... Once I did that, um, I think I think you're the one that talks about saying you you don't versus can't the yep. power that that brings back to you. So it's when I I don't have breakfast meetings before eight fifteen because I work out in the morning, shifted my mindset to make it a priority um, to prioritizing myself that first thing in the morning. And so it it's a it's a different day. I'm more productive in the morning. I eat better. Um, I sleep better at night. I feel like my day has a little bit more order to it versus um, when you, I, it's just become the routine that I really appreciate versus those days. I typically don't do it. If I've got early morning things, board, yeah. board meeting weeks, days start at 6 AM. There's no way I can go. And so those are just a little bit different mentally. It's a different day. Yeah, no. And, and that makes sense, but I love how, just that reframing of the, I don't created fiercely protect that part of your morning and your schedule so that it's not, you don't give that away. Otherwise you have less to give in those meetings with those relationships. So I absolutely love that. Mel, where can people learn more about Texo uh, and then best place to connect with you? I imagine is LinkedIn. Yes. I'm all over LinkedIn. Yep. Melanie Rainey, M-E-L-O-N-I. That's spelled super weird. Um, but texoassociation.org is our website um, and would love to connect with people. I love people. So um, always looking to connect with them. That she does. And she will totally hustle you on some golf if you ever <laughs> get involved uh, uh, in a round, as I learned very quickly, very quickly as her and Ronnie. And it was your sister-in-law that played with us as well, right? Yeah. And she schooled all of us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She did. She, she did. did. It came out of nowhere. I played around with 
Ronnie. And I was like, ah, this is going to be ugly. And then your sister-in-law comes out and smokes all of us. Uh, but Hey, it was a beautiful day. It was a beautiful course. And, uh, even if you're chasing balls all over the place, we should, we should next, next time out that way. So Melanie, thank you so much for coming on the show this week. Oh, thanks for having me. Appreciate it, Jake. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Compete Everyday Podcast. To get in touch with the team, drop us an email to podcast at competeeveryday.com. And to find out more about our resources, content, and gear that will help you build that winning mindset so you better compete for your best life, visit competeeveryday.com.